1: Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams.
2: Welcome once again to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We. Always look forward to our visits with you here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Once again, Alan Dempsey does our engineering, and Andrew Herdliska is our uh, producer each weekend. Uh, Glynis Whitweer is with us from Glendale, Arizona. She's the executive director of communications for Proverbs 31 Ministries, and uh, has a new book out, we're going to talk about it. It's called Doing Busy Better, Enjoying God's Gifts of Work and Rest. Ravel is the publisher. Glynis, uh, thanks for joining me. I hope things are well with you.
3: Oh, they are. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's an honor.
2: Hot summer in Arizona, I guess, huh?
3: <laughs> Always.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so we stay inside, just like here in Florida. Make, yes. sure, make sure our air conditioners are working. And uh, that's kind of where we hang out in the summertime. So It is true. Tell me, first of all, about Proverbs 31 Ministries. What is that?
3: Well, it's an it's really an international ministry for women. It's based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, but everything that we offer almost is online. So we offer free daily devotions, at least Monday through Friday. We offer a free Bible study app. We call it First Five. We have an, a free online Bible study. We have a radio program, and uh, we also do a lot of training for women and men, actually, in writing and speaking and leadership. So right now, even as we're recording this, we have our annual conference called She Speaks, where we train women to write and speak, and we have an online membership um, site called Compel Training, where we teach people to write, and all from a biblical worldview.
2: Why was it important to write Doing Busy Better?
3: Well, honestly, I was tired of just feeling guilty all the time, guilty when I was working, guilty when I was resting. And the Lord had been really speaking this idea of peaceful productivity to me for a long time. But I knew that there was something that I wasn't doing with rest. Like I knew honoring the Sabbath needed to be a part of my life, but I just could, I just didn't focus on it. I found excuses for why I couldn't take, uh, take a break once a week. And so I just knew my life is not going to get slower, and I need to stop feeling guilty for being a busy, productive woman, and I wanted to know what did the Bible have to say about work and rest. And so the Lord took me on a journey, which ended in this book, and a lot of life changed.
2: You open with this topic, the undercurrent of unease. Uh, What does that mean?
3: Well, I just that sense, and, and maybe everybody doesn't feel it. I have met people who can relax, but for some of us, it's just this underneath almost like a humming, a driving that we have to be doing something all the time. And where does that come from? Like, and I needed, I felt it all the time, and it raised my anxiety. It pushed me to do more than I should do. And so, really, I needed to deal with some of the underlying issues of why I continue to get myself busier than I should be. And I and i think other people can sense that. You can't put your finger on it, but it's just constant pushing you to do more.
2: And uh, you've got five children in addition, right? So that, uh, that, that, that adds to it.
3: Yes. And uh, yeah, those were some of my craziest years at the beginning of that, trying to figure it all out. And sometimes, you know, you learn lessons the hard way. And so um, I definitely learned some of those raising five kids.
2: Uh, Glenis, you, um, you moved to this question, what drives us to an over-busy life? Do you have an answer?
3: Well, I think it's different for each of us. And for me, there was a combination. And again, I, I wanted to always solve my over-busy problems with some new productivity app. But what I really needed to deal with what was what was driving me to be over-busy. So for me, I'm just wired to be responsible. And so when, you're, when you have that wiring, you just feel like everything's your responsibility. And so I, I had to deal with that wiring and figure out how to be healthy with the way God made me and not push myself too much. But I also realized, which I get into a little later in the book, that I had attached my identity to what I was doing. And so I had a couple things going on there underneath the surface that I needed God to address and bring some healing my heart, really, before I could ever really can get a more balanced, sustainable. Like, I, I didn't want this high and low constantly. Okay, now I've got things under control. Now I'm crazy. Like, I needed a little more balance in my life that was ongoing and sustainable. So dealing with that underneath the surface, that makes a difference.
2: What about this chapter, Glennis? Being versus doing. Yeah, what, so
3: what? That's, yeah, that's what I just alluded to there. And it wasn't until I moved across country. I, I grew up in Phoenix and had a wonderful, busy, busy life, although it, in hindsight it was too busy. But the Lord moved us all the way over to North Carolina from Phoenix. And mm. when I moved over there and didn't have anything to do, all of a sudden I realized I had an identity crisis. And it was this issue. I had been so concerned with what I was doing that I had neglected who I was being. That was really a big turning point for me to start this process of dealing with my, I would almost call it an addiction, to overwork.
2: God's original design for work. You write about that. What have you learned?
3: Well, we can go right back to creation, and we see the story that, you know, every Christian knows that in six days God created the world, and in the seventh day the God who didn't need to rest, rested. And he created this template for us to follow, really. I kind of call it the architecture of our lives, the six days of work and the seventh day of rest. But this work was never meant to be this drudgery, and we know in the fall that it became a drudgery. But I believe that work was meant to be our highest calling. And I, when I say work, I mean anything. It doesn't matter what you're doing, whatever you put your hand to do, that that is was never meant to be something we got through to get to the weekend. So... So I just think there's something, as we start to deal with this issue, to really see what God's original heart was. And it's going to be hard for some hearers to think, you know, here I am, I'm driving a truck, how can this be God's will for my life? But I think when you start to have His perspective, you can see that whatever you're doing, that it can be a calling. So I think that's where we start. We realize, wow, Satan came in and, and really messed up God's gift for us. And we've been struggling with it ever since, uh, trying to figure out this balance. What does work mean and what does rest mean?
2: You do a whole chapter called God's Gift of Rest. Uh, What have you learned?
3: So on the seventh day, God rested. And he has been trying to tell his people to rest one day a week since the beginning of time. And so, honestly, for me, I used to think that I had to earn rest. Like if I got all my work done and, and of course I set unreasonable standards, if I got it all done, then I could earn a rest. But what God is saying is, no rest is my gift to you. excuse me gift to you, but it's also a command. And he it was back when the, the Israelites were taken out of slavery, even before the Ten Commandments, he was telling them, "Don't collect manna on the seventh day, just don't. And so there was more to this, this idea of rest, oh, and then we have it in the Ten Commandments. So God was trying to do something with this one day of rest, but it was never meant to just be physical rest. I believe God wanted that day of physical rest to lead us into spiritual rest or soul rest, and it, because we have to trust Him. I mean, if you're a busy person, you know to not work on one day, you're thinking, how am I going to get this stuff done? So it takes us from physical rest to spiritual rest.
2: Now I want you to talk about uh, this important topic, Uh for Conditions of Unhealthy Busyness. What's that about?
3: Yeah, so I think that we have, as a culture, we have defined busy as something bad. Like, if you just say, I'm too busy or I'm busy even, people think there's something wrong. Like, you need to deal with this issue of busyness. But what I think is that being busy isn't bad, but there are some ways that we do it, hence the title of the book, Doing Busy Better, um, there are ways that we do busy that can really lead us to um, overwork, burnout, exhaustion, things that a lot of people struggle with. So one of the first ones is when we don't put borders around our busyness. And that's the, the example is just taking a break, taking and honoring the status, or having some non-negotiables in your life, whether that's a date night, or we stop our work and we have family dinner. So put borders around the busyness. Um, another problem is when we're a busybody. And a busybody is someone who's busy, but she's, she or he is busy with things that really don't concern them. Like, they get into other people's business when they really shouldn't.
2: My guest is Glennis Switweer, and uh, we're going to be talking more about her book, Doing Busy Better, right after these messages, folks, here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando
1: more of the pat williams power hour in just a moment on 94.9 fm and am 950 the word
4: are you suffering with hearing loss are you sick of people constantly complaining that your tv is too loud are you tired of asking people to speak up would you like to hear more clearly but you don't want to wear a hearing aid that makes you look old then you need to try listen clear a life changing breakthrough designed by top audio engineers to fit your ear almost invisibly. Listen Clear is fully adjustable so you can find the perfect way to hear almost everything, wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And right now you can try Listen Clear absolutely free with free shipping. We'll even give you free batteries for life. So call now 1 855 568 4327. Listen Clear is lightweight and completely hassle free, and it's practically invisible. Call for your risk free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now, one 568 4327 That's 1-855-568-4327,
5: 1-855-568-4327. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin Picorni. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word.
0: Here on the Word, we're very excited to welcome a brand new program you won't want to miss. Sunday morning at 1130.
1: Thank you for allowing us into your homes. We are... Laureen. And Tony Giorgio, Living with Victory Ministries, formerly Compassion Children's Foundation. We advocated for seriously ill children who are falling through the cracks. Join us... For Living with Victory, a program that will help you in life storms because Jesus is your umbrella. Tune in Sundays, 1130 a.m. on 94.9 FM and a.m. 950. 50, the word. See you then. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The word. Now, once again, here's Pat.
2: Glennis Whitwear is with us from Glendale, Arizona, uh, talking about her book, "Doing Busy Better." Glennis, uh, we've arrived at this topic. Uh, hurry is a heart condition. Uh, I'm uh, I'm interested in your response there.
3: Years ago, I read a book, maybe you've read it by John Ortberg, called The Life You've Always Wanted, and he had a chapter on uh, hurry sickness, and I was so convicted. I realized that I was rushing all the time because I had too much to do, and when I read that hurry is the enemy of what matters most in our lives, and that hurry is really, it makes it difficult to love, I realized I had to deal with just the way I walked, the way I talked. The amount of rushing that I did in my life, and I realized that I didn't have to hurry. Like that was just something that that inner drive I mentioned. It just really revved me up and pushed me. And people don't feel loved when you're hurried, so I really tried and try now to be intentional to focus on what's in front of me and breathe and press pause and tell myself I have to. This is just self talk sometimes. Like, okay, you don't have to rush. You're not in a hurry. And it's a a practice. It's a habit. And it really, hurrying isn't connected with what you're doing because people who are retired can hurry and people who are really uh, high-level executives cannot hurry. So dealing with whatever it is that uh, makes us feel like we need to rush can help you love other people much better.
2: I want you to talk about a heart at rest.
3: Well, uh, this is where... I, as the Lord has been teaching me, trying to deal with issues externally is a Band-Aid. So dealing with what's going on inside your heart was huge for me. And I had to deal with it. One of my issues that pushed me to rush was that I was seeking to complete a project or to finish a goal before I was seeking God. And so this is a huge aha moment for me, and that I realized I had more satisfaction in completing a project than I did in just sitting quietly before the Lord. So I learned learned that I needed to seek God before my goals, and I had to choose people over projects. Um, so there was some heart shifting that had to happen inside of me to just really address these issues. That I, like I said, I didn't want a roller coaster life. I wanted people to feel loved. I wanted to be Jesus to people. Which Jesus it mattered more with how the people felt than whether he got things done, uh, and he got them both done amazingly.
2: And that leads to uh, <coughs> a very important topic: the Sabbath reset. That means yeah, that, that means what?
3: So back going back as when I, as I studied the Israelites and this whole idea of the Ten Commandments and why God was giving. Um, this commandment to rest on one day a week, and I realized that, as I said earlier, that it was really not just physical rest, but God was taking these people to a place of spiritual rest. I realized that these, the Israelites had been in slavery for over 400 years, and they had a slavery mindset. And many of us who are overworked have that same slavery mindset. We feel like we're helpless. We're, uh, we're a slave to our schedule. We're slaves to our busyness. And what I think God wanted to do was, is reset our minds to we're not, we're not called to obey our schedule. We are called to obey God and we need to look to him as our provider, not ourselves. So I believe the 10 commandments were taking these slaves and turning them from slaves of a king to children of a heavenly father. And we're still the same way. So every week we get this chance to declare our our allegiance. Who do we follow? We follow God. We don't follow a to-do list. And so that's what I mean by the, the Sabbath reset. We get this beautiful opportunity, and pe- people will know we're Christians uh, follow the Word when we do it. It's another thing that, that God said people will know. This is a, a covenant between us, and they'll know who you are because of this.
2: Glennis Whitwear is our guest, talking about her book, Doing Busy Better. And now uh, you write, uh, Is It Ever Okay to Quit?, and what's so, and what's the answer, Glynis?
3: Yeah, so driven people don't feel like it's okay to quit. So we never do. We just take it on, take on more. We run ourselves into the ground. We run other people into the ground. Pat, I don't know if you've ever done this. I hope you haven't, but um, I can be a bulldozer sometimes. Mm. So um, I had to deal with this issue of can I quit sometimes? And yes, the answer is absolutely. There are times when it's very biblical to quit what you're doing. I mean. Jesus even talks about if and one of them is if you're if what you're doing causes you to sin. And and we know that for followers of Christ that sinning can be in our heart and which is more of an issue because we can look good on the outside but if the inside is not good then we need to address that. So if if what we're doing causes us to sin and we just can't we can't seem to break it when we cause other people to stumble sometimes that can be a reason to quit. Um when our inner resources are depleted and we just can't sustain what we're doing, then we should quit. And and sometimes, you know, we're not called to be doing what we're doing. We hold on to the past rather than letting go and having an open hand for the future. So there are some times when, uh, and I love David Allen says, we need to renegotiate the contract with ourselves. We renegotiate contracts in business all the time. And sometimes we need to do it with ourselves and give us permission to let go of something.
2: Let's talk about the next topic. How to find sustainable balance.
3: Yeah. So you think, is can you really find balance? <laughs> is it possible? Well, I used to think of balance as if I could fit, fit all of my responsibilities into like a pie chart. Like, can I, can I fit them all in there in the number of hours that I have in the, in the week? And I realized that that's not really balance. Balance is when my inner resources meet my external demands. And I've gone too many times in my life where a situation in my life depleted me. Um, You know, you said I had five kids. Well, two of them are adopted. We adopted them from Africa with very significant needs that we discovered along the way. And I didn't have the emotional resources. I didn't have the physical energy. I I just didn't have the bandwidth, any extra bandwidth to do some things. And I had to realize I've got to let some things go if I don't want to lose my mind. And so we don't often think of our internal resources and are they enough to meet what the external demands are. But that's where I think balance comes.
2: Now, Glennis, I want you to talk about this topic, how to be peaceful and productive.
3: (laughs) So so that I really find is when we're following God's to-do list rather than our own. So living this submitted life, which... We, You know, I used to think that if it was good, I should do it. And so what I've learned is that not everything is my responsibility to do. And it's a process of listening and pressing pause more than going forward to really see what is God calling me to do in this season of my life. One thing I ask myself, I ask myself some questions. The number one thing I ask myself is what can only I do? And there are things only I can do, like only I can develop my faith, or only I can be my husband's wife. I mean, I'm the only children' mother my children have. I'm a daughter of my mother's still alive. so there are some things that no one can t- take this role from me, and so that, that helps me bring focus to my life and finding a more peaceful taste of productivity. Um, it's a it's a great place to be. Rather than I mean, I love to work, but boy, having to balance the balance of peace it's it's definitely worth it.
2: And now uh, talk about finding true soul rest.
3: So when you know Jesus came and said, "Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls." So again, this is part of where I came up with this really understanding of God's gift of rest was tying this Old Testament idea of rest with really what Jesus was saying. And where it led me to was this understanding of, I can get things done in my own power, but then I'm always feeling like uh, there's some insecurity in my life. Like, if I'm depending on myself to get something done, I know that I'm not completely dependable. Or if I'm depending on somebody else, uh, to keep me safe. I know that that they're human or that things happen. When I moved my trust from myself, from somebody else, I realized a greater sense of confidence and peace than I'd ever known before. And God started revealing these areas in my life where I trusted myself more than Him, or I trusted a pilot to keep me safe on a plane, or uh, a coach to keep my children safe at a sporting event. And the risk could go on. Uncovering those areas and reassigning that trust to God, who is completely faithful, completely trustworthy, puts you on a path to soul rest. That's why the, the one day a week, the Sabbath, is part of that That moving us from a place of independence, a place of slavery, to this beautiful place of trusting, truly trusting, not just saying we trust God, but truly trusting Him with our lives and all areas of our lives. And that Jesus will step in and help us and carry our burden, and we find ourselves in a place of soul rest. And it's a journey, Pat. I'm still uncovering places where I don't trust the Lord, but um, I'm thankful. I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. These truths have changed my life, and I believe that there's a lot of overworked people who need to hear this message and get some freedom as well.
2: What does your husband and your children, what do they think of all about all this?
3: They're much happier to have a, a wife and a mother who's not running around crazy. Um, they've reaped the benefits, and in fact, I made a decision that this is probably going to be my last book because I work full time and I'm um, my writing is weekends and nights, and I have a grandbaby. I'm expecting him any day now, mm. and so we. I'm I. This lesson is made. I make changes in my life. To live this message and to be more available and to love the people around me, and so I hope and pray that they are pleased and that with the the wife and the mother that they have.
2: So, what is your message to uh, to our listeners here in Orlando, Florida, and beyond? What uh, what what are you going to tell them? What are you telling them? What's what's the well, bo- what's the bottom line here?
3: I think if, if you're feeling overworked, if you're feeling overwhelmed, if you feel like you're on a treadmill that you can never get off of. Um, the other thing in the book is I have very practical tips on how to start bringing control to your schedule. But if you feel, if you truly feel like a slave to your schedule, um, there's hope. And and it's hard. It's kind of like tithing when you can't, when you don't understand how God's going to make your money spread spread to you know to pay your bills. It's the same thing with this idea of rest that God has given us a gift, and there is a reason. It's something supernatural that happens in our life when we start to honor the Sabbath. And we start to see he is our provider. So I, I, I do. I just think there's hope. There's freedom from feeling guilty all the time, and it is truly found in understanding God's plan for us and to submit, not to live a self-directed life, but to live more of a God-directed life.
2: Clintus, tell us about that book you wrote, "Taming the To-Do List." I used to be so organized. <laughs>
3: Well, taming the to-do list is one, and that was about procrastination. So I, um, I, I realized I had an issue again. I'm always trying to manage my my to-do list, but procrastination was one of those issues that I didn't think I had a problem with until I started really understanding it. And so I really de- delved into this idea of why do we procrastinate and and how, how can we move forward. And I used to be so organized as a, as a book. That really deals with what are some of the shifts in our society that have made us get to this place. And so, I realized in, you know you probably grew up with, uh, uh, I grew up with before an answering machine. So the burden to communicate with with me was on somebody else. Well, now the burden is on me. People send me emails, they they instant message me, they message me on Facebook, and the burden's on me to respond. There's been a huge shift. Like, now now I have to get back to everybody rather than the burden being on them, which creates—it's a cycle. And so I just have wanted to uncover what are some of these issues that get us to this place of just really kind of chaos so much in our lives. So, yeah, I've written three books, each one different, and i was just really trying to find God's plan for productivity.
2: Uh, what about that book you wrote, When Your Child is Hurting? What What was the message there?
3: Well, that one I wrote when my kids were small and I wanted to be, I had the potential to be a helicopter mom. And I realized that I needed to figure out how to help my kids with the daily hurts of life. And um, so I, I started picking these things apart one by one. Like, how do you help? How do you, how would I help them through failure? How would I help them when they're discouraged? How would I help them in bullying situations? Um, how would I help them with the physical identity issues? And so I, just took them piece by piece and started addressing what was, what did God say, and what could a parent do to really help encourage their, ch- their child. So that one was that book is really different for me, but a, a work of love for my children.
2: Well, Glennis, I'm so glad we could visit, uh, doing busy better, her latest book, and uh, thanks a million for your time, Glennis. Great to chat with you
3: pat
2: i i enjoyed it thank you for the opportunity glennis is in glendale arizona we've got more after this on the pat williams saturday power hour it's 94.9 fm and am 950 the word
1: in orlando florida more of the pat williams power hour in just a moment on 94.9 fm and am 950 the word
7: Have you ever thought how you will be remembered when God calls you home? Death is a reality we all face but do not want to think about. American Family Funerals and Cremations can guide you in preparing for such a time and allow your family to celebrate your life. Hi, I'm Alan Treba, owner and licensed funeral director. We are a local family-owned funeral home in Central Florida that works as a ministry of caring. Take the stress off your loved ones and allow our family to take care of your family. American Family is becoming the source in the Christian community for funeral services, as we are mostly referred by pastors and churches. Those who know us know how we care for people, know how we put God first in everything we do, and know how we make every effort to help you in these times. Allow our family at American Family Funerals and Cremations to show you what makes us different. Call 407-339-0070. Again, 407-339-0070.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat. Glennis Whitwear was our
2: guest in that first half hour, talking about her book, Doing Busy Better. Uh, Oz Hillman joins us. Uh, he, uh, Oz Hillman joins us. Uh, he's in Atlanta, president of Marketplace Leaders, uh, author of a new book uh, that I'm eager to talk about called The Joseph Calling, uh, Oz, always nice to catch up with you, and uh, thanks for joining me.
8: Thank you, Pat. It's good to reconnect with you today.
2: Uh, by the way, before we plow into that, your book "Marketplace Leaders." What was what that organization about,
8: Pat? We try to help uh, business leaders and workplace leaders understand that their calling to the marketplace it has a spiritual dimension to it, and that it, you know it's a holy calling from God. And so, how do we? understand how to bring our, the faith dimension of our lives into our working lives. And so we encourage that through a lot of equipping tools and books and uh, training and workshops, are uh, you know, internationally.
2: Where does The Joseph Calling, your new book, fit into all of this?
8: Pat, uh, The Joseph Calling was introduced to me back in 1994 when I went through a major crisis that ultimately would last seven years, and uh, two years into the crisis— uh, I was trying to make sense of what had gone through in my life through those events, and I met a man from Sweden named Gunnar Olsson, and uh, he was the founder of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce. And somebody sent me an audio tape by him, and it said God was raising up Josephs all over the world, and it was often signified by them going through extraordinary adversity in their business and personal life. Well, I I had to I had to know more, so I I found him in Washington D.C. about two months later. And he heard my story and he said, uh, yes, Oz, you have a Joseph calling. And uh, it, uh, the earmark is going through extraordinary adversity uh, as a consequence of the call of God on your life, but it's a marketplace call.
2: You open your book with this chapter, You Have a Joseph Calling on Your Life. Uh, fill us in on how you get this book started, Oz.
8: Well, I get the book exactly what I just said. I opened the story of meeting Gunnar Olsen and some of the things he sort of told me uh, in that meeting that would ultimately he would become a, a business mentor to me for the next 20 years. And uh, I would end up going to Excuse me, 26 countries and end up writing 18 books and uh, birth a whole marketplace ministry around mm. what I was learning from that. And uh, so that led me to really start teaching. and In fact, I've been teaching this for about 20 years, but I just decided to focus a book on the entire process because so many times business people, and just not business people, anyone, when you go through adversity, you want to know why you're going through adversity. And what I discovered was there was an actual process that got often uses, to bring us into the larger story of our life. And so we start the book with that premise and that there are six stages that are unique to this process, and uh, we have case studies and so forth throughout the book of that.
2: Second topic that you write about, discovering your purpose. Uh, What are you telling us here, Oz?
8: Well, I've discovered that so many people that I run into don't really understand their purpose. Why did God bring them on the earth? And of course it's a it's a topic that's very important to people. Uh you know, the purpose driven life has sold over forty million copies and it was a great book but it wasn't that great. <laughs> but the, it was it, was, uh, it, it hit a nerve with people, and uh, there's a, a thing inside of every, everyone that wants to know why they're here. And so the chapter 2 and 3, I try to deal with that idea that God does have a purpose for you. And there's an actual uh, tool that I take you through that can help you actually discover that purpose uh, through a practical exercise. Yeah, and
2: and and three is do you know why God made you there's a good question isn't it
8: yeah it kind of takes off of discovery of your purpose but you know I had a, a board member who who told me I think you know your gifts and talents but I don't think you know why God made you and I said well that's an interesting way of putting it uh, can you know that and so we went through a little process that I now put in the chapter in the book that others can go through that Allowed me to come away with a statement that's very true of why I believe God brought me on earth. Uh,
2: talk to us about uh, discovering the Joseph calling that you write about, Oz.
8: Well, we try to help people understand that when they're going through adversity, why are they going through adversity? We talk about the four reasons a person can go through adversity, and that trying to understand that will help us navigate. The difficult seasons in our life, we all go through adversity, it's part of the Christian life, but uh, we don't always have a Joseph calling. Joseph has a unique special uh, assignment from God to save a nation, actually two nations, and um, as a result of that, uh, he was prepared for something, but that preparation was very, very difficult and uh, But I run into a lot of people who walk through the same thing I walk through. Uh, but they just didn't know what to call it. They didn't know kind of the earmarks of what they were walking through. And they didn't know, uh, you know, what to do in that season.
2: Uh, and that leads to the topic, the purpose of the Joseph process. That's your fifth topic, Oz. What What are you explaining here?
8: Well, the purpose that Joseph had to go through that that uh, journey was in order to prepare him to remove the pride of his life uh, and to be leader of the world as a 30-year-old. Mm. And so God had to prepare him through a season of tests, and he had really four tests. Uh, he had uh, the test of forgiveness of his brothers, the test of uh, perseverance, the test of um, uh, stewardship and and uh, these are the areas that were tested in him, and he he was also integ- uh, tested with integrity, uh, sexual, you know, integrity, and so he he had to pass those four tests in order to advance into the fulfillment of him being allowed to be the man God would use him to save a nation and to be number two in charge,
2: living successfully through your Joseph calling. Uh, that that's the sixth topic, and I want you to explain that, please.
8: Yeah, you know, so many people they they get hit broadside by a crisis, and uh, they don't know what to do, and so we try to help them understand some of the signposts of what God's trying to do in their lives. Sometimes it's uh, He's trying to bring us out of some past stuff. Sometimes He's going to reshape our our character through this process, and uh, so. In that chapter, we try to help them understand God's view of the situation versus immediately thinking the worst about, you know, what's going to happen. I always tell people who are in the midst of the adversity, don't think about tomorrow, don't think about what's going to happen in two weeks. You can only take care today. And uh, as, as when you start thinking about what can happen or what might happen, all that does is bring you into depression. And uh, so we've got some practical tools to help you you know, walk through that season.
2: And then you uh, get into this topic, the journey of a Josephine. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm curious to hear about it, Oz.
8: Well, you know, Josephine uh, is our way of saying it's not just for men, you know. <laughs> uh, women can go through this process as well, and and uh, in that chapter, I uh, profile a woman from Chicago who one day called me on a Saturday morning and said, I just Googled you, uh, actually, I Googled Joseph Calling. The Lord said that I have a Joseph Calling. I have no no idea what that is. And your name came up. And uh, she started reading an article I'd written on the topic of the Joseph Calling. And she said, oh, my gosh, you've described my life in detail. And she was in the midst of hers. And so she called me, and I talked with her. And in fact, I just talked to her this week. And uh, God has taken her through a seven-year process and now using her uh, in a powerful way.
2: Very interesting story. Now, uh, we're going to move into the six stages of your purpose, Oz. Uh, Stage one, you call recruitment. God often recruits his servants through a crisis, you tell us.
8: That's right, and that's one of the things I saw in uh, looking at not only Joseph, but also many leaders in the Bible. There was often a crisis uh, that ushered them into what I call the larger story of their life. You know, Joseph was thrown into the pit, Paul was blinded on the Damascus Road, Martin Luther was thrust into a crisis when he couldn't make sense of uh, what his uh, theology was teaching him, Uh, David was uh, uh, with Goliath, you know, into that crisis. And so you look at almost every leader, there was something that tended to initiate them into a process that ultimately would take them into their larger story.
2: And that moves to the second stage, character development. God develops his servants through a series of character tests, you tell us, Oz.
8: Yes, that's uh, where God takes us through this process of that adversity is designed to change our nature, not just our habits, but our nature. Um, Joseph went through 13 years of preparation. Uh, David had to flee the sword of Saul. Uh, and, and uh, you know, you look at uh, Nehemiah and all the many of the leaders, they went through a process that was designed to, uh, you know, help them in their character before God would release them into their purpose, because he had to invest in their character uh, so that he could use them in a significant way.
2: Stage three, isolation. God isolates his leaders to turn messes into messages.
8: Yeah, I I found in the leaders that so often God would isolate a leader, and he would uh, make deposits in them. You know, you think of the uh, Apostle Paul, who was put in prison so many times, and what came out of that was writing the epistles. Uh, You look at um, Martin Luther, who ultimately ended up, you know, writing salvation by faith alone, you know, and he was isolated. You look at John Bunyan, who was in prison for 12 years, he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. You look at the Apostle John, who was on the island of Patmos. You look at, uh, who wrote Revelation, and, and then David was in the cave of Adalem, and uh, he wrote three psalms while he was in the cave, but ultimately would write many, many more psalms. And so there was a consistent pattern I saw among leaders that they would have periods where they would be isolated and God would deposit uh, something in them that which he would share with others.
2: Stage four, the cross. Every leader must experience the cross through betrayal, you tell us.
8: Yeah, Jesus, um, you know, he challenged the disciples and modeled the idea of washing the feet of Judas. And what I find with leaders is that uh, ultimately almost every leader I talked to and looked at in the Bible had some type of betrayal. You know, you've got Joseph in the betrayal. You've got um, Paul had many betrayals. You've got David was betrayed by his own son. You've got uh, Moses was betrayed by Korah. I mean, almost all of them. And so Jesus says, you know, if you're not willing to wash the feet of Judas and love your enemies, forgive your enemies, bless your enemies, then you have nothing to do with me, because you've got to do that. And so I find that that's part of the cross that uh, almost every leader has to go to.
2: Now, stage five, problem solving. You were called to solve a problem.
8: Now we're into the more the fruitful stage of the call, and I find that uh, when I looked at many of the characters in the Bible, and especially Jesus, that they were all problem solvers. Mm. They all solved some type of problem that God had in mind for them to solve. When you look at Jesus, often when he would meet someone, he would solve a problem. Uh, when he met uh, David, excuse me, when he met Uh, Peter, he solved his fishing problem. Uh, He solved his tax problem by telling him to go catch a fish and get the coin out of its mouth. He solved the feeding of the 5,000 problem. He solved Lazarus' death problem. So every time he met someone, he usually solved the problem first. And then, as a result of that, influence grew around that individual. And you saw that in the Scriptures and even in business today— people who solve problems end up gaining more influence. And uh, it's a principle I see in the uh, that in the body of Christ, if we would start doing more problem-solving, we would start having more influence in our culture.
2: Oz Hillman is our guest. Uh, his book is a must-read, folks. It's called The Joseph Calling, Six Stages to Discover, Navigate, and Fulfill Your Purpose. When we come back... Uh, We're going to get into stage six, networks. God works through unified networks to build his kingdom. Just a reminder, uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Uh, We do our show every weekend right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word in Orlando.
1: More after this. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word. Join Richard Jordan, president of Grace School of the Bible, as he opens God's Word every Sunday afternoon at 530 on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. If you missed the Sunday broadcast, you can listen and study along with Dr. Jordan 24-7 at WTLN.com by clicking on the podcast tab and then Riches of Grace. Riches of Grace. A service of Grace Impact Ministries at graceimpact.org. 530 Sunday on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.
0: Here on The Word, we're very excited to welcome a brand new program you won't want to miss. Sunday morning at 1130.
1: Thank you for allowing us into your homes. We are... Laureen. And Tony Giorgio, Living with Victory Ministries, formerly Compassion Children's Foundation. We advocated for seriously ill children who are falling through the cracks. Join us... For Living with Victory, a program that will help you in life storms, because Jesus is your umbrella. Tune in Sundays, 1130 a.m. on 94.9 FM and AM nine. 50 the word.
4: See you then. Are you suffering with hearing loss? Are you sick of people constantly complaining that your TV is too loud? Are you tired of asking people to speak up? Would you like to hear more clearly? But you don't want to wear a hearing aid that makes you look old? Then you need to try Listen Clear, a life-changing breakthrough designed by top audio engineers to fit your ear almost invisibly. Listen Clear is fully adjustable so you can find the perfect way to hear almost everything. Wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And right now, you can try Listen Clear absolutely free with free shipping. We'll even give you free batteries for life. So call now 1 855 568 4327. Listen Clear is lightweight and completely hassle free. And it's practically invisible. Call for your risk-free home trial with free shipping and free batteries for life. For free information, call now. 1-855-568-4327. That's 1-855-568-4327. 1-855-568-4327.
1: You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat.
2: We're having a marvelous session with Oz Hillman, the author of The Joseph Calling. Oz has advertised, stage six, networks. God works through unified networks to build his kingdom.
8: You know, Pat, I noticed that uh, God evidently is really into networks. He He came up with the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, then Jesus with his 12, and you look at Daniel and his three friends, and uh, some modern-day examples of uh, of, uh, William Wilberforce who had about 18 individuals. They called themselves the Clapham Group, and they uh, achieved 69 world-changing initiatives by leveraging and walking together. And Jesus talks a lot about in John 17 that he prays that we would be one as he and the Father, are one. And so networks are part of a kingdom DNA in the scriptures that uh, God calls us to do. And so in that chapter, we talk about, you know, how networks can be used to really uh, have such greater influence in our culture, in our business life, and just all activities that God may have us involved in.
2: In the last section of your book, Oz, uh, some very, very interesting topics. And uh... Let's get started. Uh, you do a chapter called Jacob, From Family Schemer to National Patriarch. Uh, what, what are you telling us here?
8: Well, I tried to show that, it, that in the Joseph calling, it's not the six stages. They're not just uh, for Joseph, but you'll see them with some of these other leaders. Uh, in the life of Jacob, you'll see all six of these stages that are in Jacob's life. And here he was, really a schemer and a control freak, and how God had to take him through a process to, um, you know, really change his character. And God did do that in his life, and God saw something that was good in Jacob, but he had to go through this process himself in order to fulfill the destiny and purpose he had in his life.
2: And then there's a chapter, Moses, from orphan to world changer.
8: Yep, Moses being the same type of situation where he felt he had a call on his life, but tried to fulfill that call by killing the Egyptian and thinking that was the way to help his people, and yet he was banished for 40 years, and then uh, his uh, major crisis moment, uh, second crisis moment, if you will, was at the burning bush, and God speaks to him and gives him an assignment, and we'll see that he goes through those six stages in the fulfillment of his purpose as well.
2: Paul, from radical religious terrorist to disciple of Jesus.
8: How relevant that is today when we are so um, aware of terrorism in our, in our world, and yet here was a, a legitimate terrorist. He had contributed to the stoning of Stephen, and uh, yet God came to him, and uh, struck him blind on the Damascus Road. That was his crisis moment that would usher him in to his larger story. And then we'll take you through the six stages that God uh, did in his life in order to fulfill the unique purpose of being an apostle to the Gentiles.
2: You write a chapter towards the end of the book uh, simply called Experiencing Your Larger Story. Uh, What does that mean?
8: Well, what we try to do there is to let the reader uh, now identify with these six stages, help them record their own six stages, help them understand the processes now to be able to be implemented in their own journey in order to fulfill their destiny, and uh, it's a, a way of inspiring them and encouraging them to embrace the process that God is allowing them to go through.
2: And uh, then there's another key point here at the end of the book, the trumpet call. Knowing is not enough, experience required, you tell us.
8: Yeah, you know, so often um, we can just read things and and get more and more knowledge. But, you know, the relationship with God is a two-way relationship. And if we're not experiencing the power of God in our life, then we're just living a life of religion. Uh, God wants to reveal Himself. He wants to manifest His presence in everything we do, especially in our workplace calls. And so I give a lot of examples of how God manifested uh, the living Christ in my own journey and uh, examples of where I saw the trumpet call, I call it, to uh, really see the activity of God in our life in a practical sense. And so that's why I say that You know, just knowing is not enough. We need to experience uh, the relationship with God every day.
2: Oz, what do you want people to gain uh, from reading this book?
8: I want them to gain the same thing that I gained when I had that meeting with Gunnar Olson that day to understand if you find yourself in a uh, crisis, that there is a process that God often uses to go through that process. In fact, um, we have a way that, if, if you don't mind, I can share how they can actually get access to the first chapter of the book and a 12-week Bible study they can have free of charge. Yeah, tell us. Send, tell
2: us, please.
8: Yeah, yeah, just send a text message to 54900, 54900. Uh, 54900. Just send that a message to that number with the word JOSEPH. Put the word Joseph in the message area to 54900, and you'll immediately get a link to the download uh, for the first chapter of the book and a 12-week uh, ebook book uh, Bible study on the book, and we, we want to encourage people to, you know, get a lot just from the first chapter.
2: Tell me more about Gunnar Olsen. What's become of him, and what does he do?
8: Well, Gunnar is now in his early eighties, and uh, he is the founder of uh, the International Christian Chamber of Commerce that is in seventy-five to eighty countries. And uh, he's kind of in semi-retirement, I guess you will. And uh, but he's a great uh, sage of the faith, and and uh, a, a man who's deeply impacted my life, and and just has an extraordinary walk with God, and has impacted nations through what god has been doing in his life
2: where does he live and what's he do
8: yeah he lives in sweden uh and uh that's where he's from and he used to live uh, uh part-time in florida he had a home in florida uh, down near tampa but now uh, now is full-time back in uh, sweden
2: well as i'm listening to you and have, have read your book adversity is a major theme of life Everyone goes through it. Uh, So do you think we all have a Joseph calling, Oz?
8: I don't think we all have a Joseph calling. Uh, You'll know you have a Joseph calling when your life is identified with a particular adversity. When we say the word Joseph, we all know what that means. We know that this man went through incredible adversity, imprisonment for something he didn't do, uh, rejected, rejected. by his brothers and so we all know that story so you'll know you have a Joseph calling when your life has been defined by that adversity uh, otherwise you're just part of the body of Christ that will go through adversity you know the Bible says that Jesus learned obedience to the things he suffered and so it's part of the it's part of the the deal uh, but there are some of us who have that Joseph calling
2: What's next for you, Oz? And more importantly, how can people reach you? Uh, Do you you like to hear from your readers? Do you like to hear from potential speakers?
8: Absolutely, yeah. They can uh, reach us at uh, todaygodisfirst.com, and that's where they can uh, access our free devotional for them if they like. It uh, goes to about 150,000 folks a day, Mm. to 104 nations, and it will encourage them in their daily walk with God, that's todaygodisfirst.com, and uh, it will encourage them to really um, be able to understand the process God takes us through.
2: Well, Oz, I'm delighted we could visit. Uh, congratulations on your book, The Joseph Calling, Six Stages to Discover, Navigate, and Fulfill Your Purpose. Uh, all the very best to you, Oz, and uh, continued good, uh, good results.
8: Pat, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our time.
2: Oz Hillman, president of Marketplace Leaders, uh, has been our guest, talking about his book, The Joseph Calling. Uh, We've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour, right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word, in Orlando, Florida.
1: More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on 94.9 FM and AM 950, The Word.
5: This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Kevin McCorney. Families by Design airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design right here, 94.9 FM and AM
1: 950 The Word. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word. Now, once again, here's Pat.
2: Well, thanks so much for joining us here, folks, for the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. Glynis Whitweer was our guest in the first half hour from Glendale, Arizona, talking about her book, Doing Busy Better. And then we swung on over to Atlanta where Oz Hillman plugged in and uh, we had a good discussion with Oz about the Joseph calling. Uh, please visit my website. It's patwilliams.com. The Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And uh, check out my most recent book. It's called The Success Intersection. It's about when your uh, greatest talent intersects with your greatest passion. Well, you've found your sweet spot in life, folks, when that happens, and uh, that's where you want to stay, and That's where you want to work. That's where you want to get paid every two weeks. I think you'll enjoy the book. Uh, Check everything out on Amazon.com. In the meantime, uh, have a great day tomorrow with your family at church and a good week ahead. And we're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on 94.9 FM and AM 950 The Word in Orlando.
1: Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at the same time where faith comes by hearing. 94.9 FM and AM 950. The Word.